Hello and welcome to The Court Jester, your weekly dose of medieval obscenity and absurdity. I am Cleo Pethenu, medievalist and storyteller, and I come to you today with a content warning that is a bit more serious than others. In today's episode, we have a priest that is not behaving into a priestly fashion, which is not unusual for anyone who has been following this podcast. However, this particular priest might tickle your sensibilities, mostly because of the fact that in the Middle Ages there was no such thing as an age of consent, and I shall say no more. Be warned, if you can power through his extreme lecherousness, then I promise you, he does get what he deserves. Other than that, we have the usual content warning for a fablio, which means that the humor is dated and it is also misogynistic, ableist, gender binary and all the other things that were the case in a medieval society. If you don't think that this is your cup of tea today, perfectly understandable, and we will just wait for you whenever you're ready. If, however, you feel that you can consume this content in context, then headphones on, and let's hear the story of the priest and Alison. In one of the villages of rural France, there lived a woman, a merchant's wife. A merchant's widow, to be precise. Her name was Maho, and she had a daughter. Her daughter's name was Marion, and she had just turned into a woman. Marion was as pretty as they come and her body was suddenly changing as she was entering puberty. She was developing curves, you see, in all the right places, and she looked so fine. She very often helped her mother in any way she could, be it in selling things, like the spices and rare herbs, or in foraging, in gathering herbs, and other good things that they could sell for a really nice price. And that's what she was doing in that specific morning when she was foraging for herbs near the river. And she was walking home, carrying her wares, and her dress was soaked up to her thighs and it was sticking on her body as she was walking. And the priest, his name was Alexander, and he knew her well. And this morning he saw her in the way that he has never seen her before. I'll tell you now, Alexander was not a good man, and definitely not a good priest. No, he had appetites, and while usually his appetites were sated by the purchase of expensive and rare spices such as ginger and cinnamon and cardamom and cress and other things that he was buying from Maho, this day Marion's sight gave him another urge. At first he was surprised and he went home and put a very cold cloth in his head, hoping that this would calm him down. It didn't. And so he found himself every day casually walking towards the girl's house. And every day saying hello to her mother and every day passing by to see how they were faring, hoping, hoping that he will get a glimpse of her again. Until one day he strolled by after lunchtime. And the mother, Maho, who was a very good merchant and knew how to keep a customer, invited him to sit. Good sir, she said, come on in, we have dinner prepared and we're making something really nice tonight, we're going to have goose. Would you join us? The priest could not and would not say no. And as they were setting the table, all he could see was Marion's white neck. And all he could pay attention to as he was devouring the goose in front of him was her breasts as they were pushing through the fabric of her dress. 
He managed to maintain his composure until after the dinner was finished, and when the girl retired, he turned to the mother. He said, Lady, you have to hear my pain. You have to hear my torment. There is no way that I can go through life without spending a night with your daughter. So, I'm being honest and upfront about it. I will give you as much money as you like and whatever else you want. Just please spare me and let me spend one night with her. One night. One night is all I ask. One night with my daughter, said Mao. You want me to sell you my daughter's, my precious jewel's virginity. How dare you, sir? Where do you think you are? All your treasures are sour apples to me. You are despicable. No, you don't understand, said the priest. I have a lot of money. I can give you much and more. I can also give you furs and fabrics and good precious things that you could sell or do whatever you want with. All I'm asking for is one night. Please, please, I'll let you choose from my treasures anything you like, anything for just one night. Well, the mother liked the treasures and she also liked the promise of very good things. What she did not like was the idea of her daughter being violated by a much, much older man. However, she already had a plan. So she said, yes, fine, if you let me choose. I'm going to give you a list of the items that I want and I will ask you to come here tomorrow and I'll have everything ready for you. I promise you, no man, none, ever, was happier than this priest when he left Madame Mao's house to go back to his own. Madame Mao greeted him from the doorstep and then as soon as she saw him going away, closed the door behind her and called her maid. Prepare a bath, she said, and then sent someone to find a certain girl, a working girl of a specific profession that was working in town and could get fucked for a penny. And her name was Alison. And when Alison arrived, Madame Mao told her, you're in luck. I have such a good business arrangement from you that it probably will end up in you finding a husband. Good lady, you're kidding me, said Alison. And I'm a working girl, and time is in short supply, and man's appetites come and go, and I cannot be losing working hours because you want to play and joke with me. Please let me go back to work. I really am a very busy girl. No, you don't understand. I'm giving you work, said Madame Mao. And I only have one thing that I want you to do tonight. Take a proper bath. Go to the bed that I will show you and pretend to be the virginest of virgins. And I'll give you money, I'll give you a fur coat, and I'll give you a couple of pieces of linen as well to make yourself a proper new dress. Alison needed to hear no more. She peeled off her clothes, jumped out of her shoes and went in the bath and started scrubbing and combing her hair and cleaning herself up as best as she could. Worry not, milady, she said. I will be as pure as the city of Rome itself. Meanwhile, the priest. The priest was in his house and he was opening chests and cupboards and closets to find all the things that he would offer to Madame Mao as payment for the night with her daughter. So he found a piece of fur and another bright red, brand new coat that he was very fond of, but needs must. It's now payment for the girl. And a leather pouch which he filled with silver pieces. And bits and bobs and this and that and whatever precious item that was on Madame Mao's list he was putting together and he could really not wait for the day to pass. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you, you wait and it seems to be dragging and time seems to have stopped and you just can't wait for the evening and it's just not coming? 
this is what was happening to the priest of this story. Do we feel sorry for him? We don't. But night was drawing in. And as it was, Madame Mao told her maid, there's money for you in this. So this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to the priest, tell him you're mediating for his affair, and tell him to start coming over here. And when he does, you will go upstairs and guide Alison into his bed. And then I'll tell you what to do. The maid did not have to think twice, and she ran to the priest's house and indeed told him, Good sir, my lady sent me to tell you that everything's ready for you and we're expecting you. That's the best news I've had all day, said the priest and threw a silver coin at her. I thank you for your services, good girl. Oh, sir, said the maid, do not thank me. It is my pleasure. I would do anything to bring you two together. I genuinely support this match. I'm very glad to hear it, said the priest and threw more gifts at her as they were loading themselves up with the rest of the gifts that he was bringing over for the mother and the girl. Soon they made their way to Mao's house and she received him and offered him roast pheasant and more goose and expensive drinks for his appetites and his blood to start moving. His blood didn't really need more help, really. He felt strong and powerful and ready like a stallion. But he kept his calm and kept his composure and waited for the dinner to be over. And when it was done, the maid started tidying up and she said, Sir, I will now go to prepare the room. And as she left, she went to the back door and got Alison in and took her in the room, hid her under the blankets and told her, you will not breathe a word. Remember, you are chaste, you are pure, you are a virgin, you will make no sound when this man takes you. Oh, I know my job, said Alison. Oh, don't you worry, I'll be as pure as snow. He'll never know. And so the maid went back downstairs. Sir, he said. I will now take the girl to the room, if you please. And she took Marion by the hand and led her into the room, and then scurried her away through the back door and went back to the priest. I beg you, sir, she said. She's very young. She doesn't know anything about the world. Please be gentle. Please be kind to her. Oh, girl, do not worry, said the priest. She is the flower of my life. She is the joy of my heart. Yes, please take this purse of money. Thank you for all your services. Now I will go. And unable to wait any longer, he went into the room, closed the door behind him, walked to the bed, got naked, and went under the covers. And before you could breathe, and before I could finish this sentence, he had already fucked Alison once. So Alison, being a professional that she was, made all the right sounds, and made all the right moans, and all the right sighs, and he suspected nothing. And when he was done, he asked her, How do you feel about everything that happened? Would you like to do it again? And Alison knew not to speak, but she knew to make the proper sound to say yes. So he did it again, and then he fucked her once more, and till the break of dawn, he had done it no less than nine times, let me tell you. But the dawn was breaking, and the maid was awake. Awake and waiting. And as, house by house, the village was waking up, she started putting together a fire, and when the fire was ready and blazing, she started throwing straw at it. And then she opened all the doors when the house was filled with smoke and started running through the streets and shouting, Fire! Fire! We're burning! Please come help! A host of villagers ran to her aid. The butcher, a big man with broad shoulders and huge arms, broke into the house first. 
and ran upstairs where the smoke was coming from and broke into the bed with little courtesy. To see what? To see the priest stark naked and exhausted and holding in his arms? Alison! What are you doing here? said the priest. What are you doing here? said the butcher and pulled him out of the bed and dragged him downstairs, stark naked, for the whole city to see. What do you mean what she's doing here? Who do you think you were with? Oh, I know this, said the maid. He thought he was buying a knight with the little one, Marion. That's who he thought he was fucking. Oh, is that so, said the butcher and the rest of the village men. And they fell on him with punches and kicks and sticks and stones and gave him such a beating that when they were done with him, he was all black and blue and still naked so you could see all the black and blue. And they only stopped beating him when their arms were too tired to continue. And they let him go home, limping, moaning and trembling like a leaf. And all this for what? For fucking Alison. That he could have any day, or just a penny. He had to have that penny, though. This is the end of this fabio. And that, dear listeners, was the story of the priest and Alison, a story of poetic justice against extreme lecherousness. I hope it brought a smile to your face. If you like what you heard, and you want more medieval mayhem, please subscribe to The Court Jester wherever you get your podcasts. Like and share the news. Spread the word. Tell everyone you know that The Court Jester is redefining Middle Ages for you. For those of you curious about my sources, you can find several links in the show notes. One will take you to the translation I'm using, and the others will lead you to The Court Jester's social media, where we can continue the conversation about the priest and Alison. Before I leave you, I want to remind you that The Court Jester is the labor of love of a true medievalist and storyteller, myself. If you're feeling generous and want to support the podcast, consider becoming a patron on Patreon and you'll gain access to bonus episodes, additional material and other delightful surprises. It's a way to keep the merriment alive, give me a sense of achievement and allowing me to keep bringing you more comic stories from the Middle Ages. Thank you for listening. Until next time.